Welcome to the Get Out and Try podcast. I'm your host, Katie Axel. This is an episode I'm really excited for you to listen to. Kelly is one of those really special people that opens herself up to help wherever help is needed. I hope as you listen to this episode that you hear that, and I hope you're inspired to help her in whatever way you can as she continues to build her nonprofit, New Day Sanctuary. Enjoy. Kelly, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for being a guest. I'm excited because I have watched you from afar on social media for a number of years. I should preface that you and I have known each other since high school. Mm -hmm. And I'm so excited for people to hear about New Day Sanctuary and what you've started in Taylor's Falls. So why don't we just start with that? What is New Day Sanctuary? New Day Sanctuary is an up-and-coming nonprofit. So we got our official 501c3 status in July of 2020, the year that seemed to never end. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we so we are just in the process of getting things kind of up and running. And so the focus here at New Day Sanctuary is a place where we, I kind of call it, we have three pillars. Um, and so we're looking at life in, in these three different ways. And one is through agriculture, and one is through animals, and then one is through our youth. And within these three things, kind of helping our community and helping the youth that come to the to the farm bring these these skills back to their community so any animal that is here on the sanctuary is either a rescue animal which means they could have been surrendered to us by their owners maybe there are other nonprofits around that couldn't take a certain animal or keep a certain animal and so they may reach out to us and say hey do you have capacity or it could be there are some there's not a ton but there are some nonprofits that do fostering and so there's a chance that an animal who is on the on the property could be a foster animal who may or may not be up for adoption. So those are the pieces that we're building out as far as the animal part of the sanctuary. So any animal here is either fostered or rescued. And that's the basis of, of who's here. And I should say that besides my, my home pet, who is, who is a rescue in, in general, he's rescued from secondhand hounds, but he's not necessarily part of the sanctuary. He's, he's the household guest, I should say, long-term guest. And so the agriculture cultural piece is building out this is a part of what we'll be doing or asking for help for volunteers this summer is building out a large garden and to grow food and also plants and flowers and so the goal behind these two functioning pieces that are active on the property is to build out youth programs and when I say youth I'm referring to generally kids that are a little bit older than 10 like the 10 to 18 kind of somewhere smashed in the middle Mm -hmm. and the reason there's a focus in that area is I'm a city girl at heart I lived in Minneapolis um, South Minneapolis for 17 years before I decided to sell sell all my belongings and (laughs) purchase a property out in Taylor's Falls. And I'm a licensed foster parent in the state of Minnesota. And I saw a huge gap in our youth programs in the cities. And when I foster, I've taken kids 10 and older. So the youngest I ever had when she came to me was eight. And then the oldest I've ever had was 17. And when you have these kids in the summer, and this goes for all youth, is that, you know, there's day programs and daycare, so to speak, for kids up to about 11 or 12. There's not a whole lot for those in between ages. And that's where kids really can just kind of get into trouble (laughs) because they don't have a ton of guidance. And so that's 
you know, really where the focus is, is how can we build out a program, a summer program? And I think with the start, it's going to be day where we can figure out how to get these kids out to the property and they're interacting with the animals and they're helping take care of the animals and helping with figuring out the skills of how to garden and every time a child comes here what what can they take away with them so is that you know some food from the garden is it you know they're obviously taking away skills and empathy you know when you I am a firm believer that when you learn how to take care of something else whether it's what we can consider to be alive an, an animal or another human but also with plants and caring for our earth and that if you can learn how to do those things the impact that it has on them to be able to bring into their lives regardless of what they're like when they leave here that that's gonna build their self-confidence it's gonna build again their empathy and and just knowing that they have the capability to take care of others in return, being able to really help understand how to take care of themselves as well. Because a lot of kids, not just in Minnesota, but everywhere, there is, particularly in the foster care system, there's just a lack of programs for these kids to just really process the traumas that they've been through. My hope in this is that this is a place where that processing can begin and the strongest way to do that at times is nonverbal. And so when you have kids who are going through any kind of issue, I mean, these are kids who are going through puberty, they're going through right now a pandemic, right? And so their lives have been turned upside down. And and then you have these animals who in their own right have been through some kind of trauma. You know, the, the part with them is they can't speak, so they can't tell us what happened. And so when these youth can can work with animals and have this nonverbal agreement that they're just going to help each other. That's where the power is in, in the youth. How are you so strong? (laughs) You're amazing. I mean, you, I, and I, I have to say, I've watched, you started out fostering animals, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So tell me, how has your evolution happened? Like, what does that even look like from a growth perspective? Yeah, that's a good question. So I started with fostering pit bulls for about five years. I, I fostered pit bulls pretty continuously through the Minnesota Pit Bull Rescue. And I get this question a lot, which is, and, and even with, with having foster kids, is how do you say goodbye? And for me, it's less about saying goodbye And it's more about, did I give this person or animal as much love and affection as possible while they were in my care? And if the answer to that is yes, and they can take even a little piece of that, whether they know they're taking it with them or not, that's what it's for. You know, that's what it's about. It's not about them wanting to stay with me or needing me or thinking that their life is better with me because life isn't better here or there. Life is just different. And so it's really being able to understand as the adult or the caretaker that it's not about me per se. It's about what we can what we can give. And so the progression started like with that animal piece. And I knew when I was like in my mid twenties that I wanted to foster. And I went to a foster meeting in Hennepin County and it it was enough for me at that time to say like, I wasn't ready. Like I knew I wasn't ready. It didn't scare me away completely, but I knew that like I didn't have emotionally what it would take to be able 
to do that. And so it wasn't until five years later that I decided that I was in the right place. I was in the right headspace. I had the right home and I was able to give what could come through my door. You know, you don't really know what's going to come through. But and so it's having that self-awareness to know as well, Do can I do it? And can I do it in a, in a way that is going to be positive? And there have been times in, in fostering the past couple of years I've done, well, a year and a half, I've done only emergency placements. And that means that kids come, it could be for 24 hours, it could be for a week, it could be for a month because they don't have anywhere else to go. It's literally emergency. You get a call, can you take them? Yes or no. And so it's, you just, you just don't know. And so I'm in a place right now where I know I have to pause because of all of the things that are happening and moving. And so it wouldn't be fair for me to, to have a foster child in my home in current state because you're trying to get the nonprofit up, you know, and just some other things that are happening. And so I know that I have to take a pause because it wouldn't be fair to whoever were, were to end up here. But that doesn't mean that 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 I'm not going to continue to venture on in that space. It's just at a wait right yeah. now. Do you anticipate that you'll be serving only kids in the foster care system or is it for all kids? It's for all youth. Um, there are so many rules and regulations around foster youth, who can be around them for how long. You know, there's a lot of pieces that we have to figure out before we can say in a safe way and in a legal way that, yes, we can provide foster-only services. So that's that's a huge kind of bubble, like in its own little path that we're trying to forge. But for now, it's it's all youth. And again, I would say it's youth that can understand kind of work and direction, right? So a child who's coming here who's maybe two or three isn't going to get the, the feel of what's happening here. So it's really got to be kind of like that 10 and older space. Yeah. Wow. So I'm trying to pick apart your brain because you seem to have a heavier gas pedal foot like you have a heavy foot you know what I mean like there's there's something in us as humans where we think oh I'd I'd like to do that someday and watching you it's like no I'm gonna do that and then suddenly you blink and you're in it you've started a nonprofit now or you know whatever it is throughout whatever stage do you know what it is in you that just allows you to push past whatever fear comes in your head about what may come I don't. And it's an intrinsic drive for sure. I would say I've also grown up with my parents were doers. You know, my mom started her own company when she was 34. Well, in her 30s. And, you know, like my my dad is an author and he's written several books. And like they're still even in retirement. They're still always doing something. And so for me, that's I think there's been an ingrainment in me that like if if we feel like we're at our best, then we should try to start doing something else to be even better, you know? And so that's just kind of the way I grew up. And people can take that and do a lot of different directions with it. And for a lot of years, I was just doing a lot of me, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and so it now has become the time where I can do more for others and I have the capability to be able to do that. And so that's what I want to be doing. But yeah, it's it's intrinsic. I, I can't I can't put my finger on it exactly, but I always have something happening. And I've been like that my whole life. And you like it that way. Yeah. I yeah. don't know that I would know how to function otherwise, to yeah. be honest. Let's talk about your transition from city girl life to, I mean, you're on a farm now, right? Yeah. 15 acres. Wow. What's that been like? So it has been interesting, to say the least. There are things that I appreciate about being out here. One is the quiet and, you know, coming out at night in the summer 
is so much different than living in the city. And the first few nights that I was here, granted it was winter when I bought the property, but it was still so quiet. And I remember I needed like noise machines to be able to even fall asleep because I just like my brain wouldn't shut off. Whereas in the city, like there's just always some sort of hustle and bustle happening, Mm -hmm. you know? And so that was a change like in, that was an instant thing that I had to get used to. And I would say as far as the pandemic has gone, what I miss is having neighbors that are close by, even though you're not going into each other's homes or this or that. I mean, I can go out on a two mile walk here and I won't see anybody, you know, whereas if you're in the cities and you go out for a walk, you can at least say hi and, you know, have a distant conversation. And so that would be the biggest piece for me, especially in this state of life that we're in right now that I miss if we weren't in a pandemic and I was able to just go into stores and go do whatever and hang out, you know, I, I think it, I would feel much different about that, but we are where we are. So I would say that's really the part that I miss is just being able to like look out and see a human life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, what are some new things that you've had to learn on the farm? Um, how to ride a, a riding lawnmower. It's um, kind of fun once you learn though, right? It is. Yeah. It is. I like Throw it. And it's headphones. super relaxing. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. And just get it done. We now have a cow on the property. His name is Baby. He was surrendered to us by um, some owners who are still very involved in his life. And so that's not something that is discouraged if somebody has an animal that they just can't take care of right now, but they still want to come pop in and check in. I think that's good for the animal and and good for us to keep those relationships going. But so anyway, I'm learning a lot about a cow, right? I've never owned a cow. I've never owned a large, anything larger than my dog. (laughs) So he shows up here and I'm like, cool. Hi, my name is Kelly. How are you? (laughs) Apparently they don't talk back to you. But, um, and so it's the positive to having this reciprocated relationship with his owners is that I've been able to ask a lot of questions and they're super open to everything that I send them and that I ask them. And and so I'm learning as I go, but I also have a lot of people in my corner. There's a guy that I buy hay from now. I never thought ever that I'd say, oh, I have to go pick up some hay, but now I do like once a week, you know? And so figuring out like, where do you buy hay? How much does it cost? What kind of feed are you supposed to give these animals? Where do I get the feed? And so just all of these different pieces to owning just one animal has been a huge learning curve, but it's really just figuring out who those connections are and keeping them and, and make asking questions as much as I can. The other day, baby plowed through in the barn, there's a wood rail that separates him from the food, the cat stuff, like everything else in the barn. And he just plowed right through it. And I came down in the morning and he was just laying peacefully in his bed like nothing had happened. And there was stuff everywhere. The hay was thrown around. The cat food was everywhere. There's some um, storage shelves. Those were all knocked over. I mean, everything was just like in shambles. (laughs) And I look over at this cow and he's just laying there. And I'm like, dude, (laughs) like, look at what you did here. And so then I had to fix the rail, you know, and I'm pretty handy. I've, I've owned two houses before this. I've, I've, I've done all my own plumbing, electrical, like I can do like stuff, you know, but this is the first place where it's like large sized stuff, you yeah. know, it's, this is 130 inch rail. So I'm digging through all this old wood and, and stuff and I'm seeing if I can find anything to piece anything together, you know, I'm figuring it out and I did, but you know, that one rail 
took me two and a half hours to fix, right? And mm-hmm. I'm sure down the line, it won't take me nearly that long. But the first time is always the most trying, you know? And then, I, you know, then I had to take the day off of work because I knew it was going to take me so long <laughs> to go in there. So, you know, I worked for a few hours and then was like, all right, I got to go fix my barn, people. And <laughs> everybody's like, what? <laughs> like, I'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> so fortunately, nothing else like huge has happened. And I, it, that's not even... I, I would consider that big um, since it's a 120 year old barn, something is going to break eventually, but it's things like that where I'm, I'm just not prepared and I go out there and something's broken and I'm like, now I have to fix it, you know, yeah. and just figuring out how to do that. And luckily I have, you know, I'm a tool hoarder. I've been collecting tools, you know, since I owned my first house. So I have, I have the stuff to do it. It's just, then I have to turn my brain into a different kind of functioning to figure that out. Yeah. I actually just had a executive committee meeting last night. They were like, you got to get a camera down there because what if it was like this cute little mouse was like running across the floor and, and baby was like, Hey, what are you doing? And just like tried to follow it. You know, like come back here. I want to play. Um, I mean, it could have been anything, you know? So, yeah. You might um, need another cow. He needs a friend. Yeah, he needs a friend. Yeah. He definitely needs a friend. So yeah. you said you have an executive team or an executive board for your nonprofit. What kind of things uh-huh. are you guys working on right now? Yeah, so right now we have some three three initiatives that we're working on. One is that we're looking for a president for our board. So if anybody listening knows somebody or has experience leading a board of directors, we would love to talk to you. So that's kind of number one. Number two is we we had our mission kind of figured out, but we hadn't really taken the time to dive into like a, a vision statement or values and things like that. So our governance committee right now is really working on wordsmithing those items so that we can get them up on our website. And then we are really trying to focus on grants or foundations and see if we might be able to apply for some of those to help with some funding. And so those are the biggest things right now. And then we are really trying to build up our volunteer space program, whatever you want to call it, for the spring and summer. Because in order to have a successful youth program here we really need the the pieces that they'll be working with up and running right we need the garden to to be here we need the pastures and to be ready for more animals and and things like that so we really need a lot of volunteer efforts this summer and we have a family that comes out once a month and they help clean out the barn and she has a 12 year old and an seven-year-old and they come with every time and so it's a you know it's a great family thing between the four of us we can knock out a lot of stuff in like an hour and so it 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 might not even take that much of your time you know if you have some of that to give and and like I said it's a great family thing to come out and do and it feels good to give back and once the weather is nicer we'll have a lot more needs around the outside parts not just in the barn and so anyway trying to figure out how to build that out and then even trying to find some groups for group volunteering right so reaching out to maybe 4-H or gardening centers or or summer clubs or you know things like that to try try and see what we can do in respects to that so those are our biggest initiatives through the summer so that ideally summer 2022 yeah we're in 21 summer 2022 <laughs> we will be able to have our first like full-fledged something that resembles a youth day camp nice so let's talk a little bit more about the volunteers 
I know for a lot of people in this day and age, the commitment is one of the big things that holds them back from volunteering. And I think you probably see that because you're also a corporate employee, right? Mm-hmm. But I think there's something to be said about you sit in front of a computer for the 8, 10, 12 hours a day, getting out and doing physical labor in nature around animals, uh, and it's a huge release. But are you going to have some volunteer opportunities that are not huge commitments or not long-term commitments? Can someone come out once or twice? Can they come out once a week or once a month? Yes, any and all of the above. We also have some volunteer opportunities that we'll be listing for, you know, we need some help with like our website, right? And so if somebody is an IT person and they've designed a website and they have a few hours to help kind of clean stuff up, you know, we have opportunities uh, like that as well where people can do it from their own home. So those will be coming out a little bit more and on our website that needs help. (laughs) So so things like that will be available as well. And then once spring comes, I'll be posting specific projects that we need help with. Mm -hmm. And so if someone has a skill set, like, you know, like all the doors on the barn need to be reframed. And so if someone has construction work and they have a couple hours and they can come out and put together a frame for us and then never see us again, that's cool. You know, um, So any anything that works for for the volunteers, it will will adapt to whatever they can give. Yeah. So how can yeah. they find out about those volunteer opportunities? So you can go on our website. There's a volunteer page. Right now we have time slots set up for Saturdays and Sundays. So you can sign up for one of those. If something doesn't work but you have an idea, you can always email us at info at newdaysanctuary.org to try and figure something else out. And we go through, there is a website called Hands-On Twin Cities. And so we've posted some of the short-term needs on on some sites like that. So, but our website's the best way. And then if you have questions, the info email is the best way to get a hold of us as well. What kind of donations are you looking for right now outside? Is there anything that you need for the barn, whether it be more tools or equipment, if there's stuff that could help you in this process? Yeah, so on our website, when you click the donate button, there's actually a link. We have an Amazon wish list. And so if you have the means to to buy something off that list for us, we would be very appreciative of that. And if you don't, or or if you have stuff like you're downsizing and you're like, hey, we don't need all these shovels anymore, we'll take them. (laughs) Yeah, that's good um, to know. So shovels, are there any other equipment, pieces of equipment or larger farm equipment that you're looking for? Oh, yeah. Um, We don't have a tractor. This summer, I'll be hoping to purchase a side-by-side used, so something to scoot around the property on, particularly with moving all this manure from one place to another. Doing it by a wheelbarrow isn't going to cut it for too much longer. Yeah. So side-by-side, any kind of tractor. And then we need some chainsaws. I have one battery operated weed whacker but that's not very strong so it's stuff like that yeah we're definitely in need of yeah so if they see it on your amazon wish list and they say i have one of those right now that i don't need you can just have it they can email you and see if you're interested in it absolutely awesome and then how about yeah. monetary donations because you're you said you're looking at fundraising you said you have a donate mm-hmm. button on your website as well for that yep we have a donate button and that takes you to a direct giving page so 
if you are willing and able to make a monetary donation, we are very grateful for that as well. I would imagine with the cause that you have, there's got to be a lot of people that are just called to give, you know, because hearing how you give all of yourself through your servant heart, there are plenty of people that are going to be inspired to support monetarily if they're not able to volunteer or give in another way. It's a huge impact that you're making on these kids' lives, on these animal lives, uh, animals' lives, and just on humanity. Oh, thank you. And I and I think for us, the, the best way for us to continue to grow is, you know, folks can find us on social media too, and like us, and share us, and share the story. And you know, that's that's the best way for us to to get our name out there. And if you're a rural person who knows somebody who's looking for a safe, caring place for their animal to retire to, you know, just just keep us in mind and and feel free to reach out. This has been awesome information. I'm really excited for people to see more of New Day Sanctuary. I know it's new, but I think that you, like I said, you're like a rocket ship. You are going to take off and this thing is going to be impacting lives of animals and kids like crazy. And I'm so excited to see what you do with it and where it goes. So thank you very much for being a guest. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I'm excited to keep doing more with Get Out and Try It as well. A big thank you to Kelly, not just for being on the podcast, but for being the human that she is. She's an incredible person and she's doing really great things with her nonprofit. Now, one thing that you can do right now is share this episode with someone else. Help spread the word. Help Kelly get the word out. That wraps up this episode. Thank you for listening. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And then if you are a St. Croix Valley business owner and you're interested in becoming a local episode sponsor or working together in some way, email us at info at getoutandtry.com. Be sure to check out the show notes for more information as well as all of the links to keep you connected to Get Out and Try St. Croix Valley. Until next time, find some ways to connect with your community. Support those hardworking small businesses that host all of the fun in the valley. Go, get out and try.